and welcome to Phil's Breakfast Metal, episode 129. So I haven't done one of these sort of top X albums of the year shows in quite a while. I think the last one I did was back in 2020. But I was kind of putting together some stuff for a summary of what I've liked from 2023 and found that actually they're doing the top 15 albums of the year is just a nice format for it. As always with these things take it with a massive pinch of salt this is very much my feelings on what albums were good uh, <laughs> as of the week of putting the list together they're all stuff I like and I stand by but the ordering may be a bit more more lax and subject to change given time as, as always is the case with these these things also as you can probably tell i uh, got a bit of a cold at the moment so I will uh, try, <laughs> try my best to keep uh, snuffling noises to a minimum and hold my voice together for the whole episode but it probably will start giving out over time so format wise for this episode I'm literally just going to do a top 15 running down from number 15 to 1 and this is purely like studio album format stuff so not going to mention ap's live albums demos etc etc like there's been plenty of great stuff in those various fields but don't really have space to cover them as well as go through all the albums i sort of want to get to and for some of these i will be repeating sort of stuff i reviewed on a couple of the 2023 episodes i've done so far um so yeah but I'll try and keep it brief for ones I've gone into great depth on already. Right, so number 15, we have Urshetu with their debut album, Zibalba. So Urshetu's one I expected to see more about, really. I've hardly seen this mentioned anywhere. I can't even remember quite where I came across it, but due to the personnel involved, it felt like it would get a bit more traction in kind of my usual metal circles. So the... The kind of core of this project is it's a sort of folk black metal thing, like leaning leaning heavily into the folk and the atmospheric uh, nature of black metal. The band, like in a lot of their sort of surrounding material, use the phrase cinematic a lot and wanting to create like poignant, dramatic film scores. So they're going for this like very much leaning into the atmospheric end of of black metal but they've got some like the they've got the core personnel of um conceptualist and lyricist void and composer sakura um so we've got two these two characters involved like i i can't find much about them outside of this although i i must um admit i've not delved too deeply but on top of that we have a uh, drummer uh Insa Rocker, um, who's like, you know, very traditional black metal percussionist, it seems, although again, doesn't have many other credits. And he's also uh, credited with um, xylophone on this as well. And then we have um, uh, bass and additional guitar credited to Vinsvald of Blutus Nord fame. And then all the vocals are performed by uh, Lars Nedland of uh, Solifald and Borknagar fame. And Lars was really the thing that got me to pay attention to this. I found his vocals with Solifald really engaging and, you know, the bits of vocal work he, he gets to do with Borknagar, again, really, really interesting. Like Solifald, you know, compositionally a very interesting band, but I think his his voice is what really sells it. And it's it's interesting here because, like, all that writing, the sort of the, the bits of um, statement the band put out on himself... Uh, seem to be about creating this very atmospheric like film score-esque uh like music but his voice is you know very full of personality and really kind of 
front and centre. And it fits perfectly. I really like... He does sort of a... And I think it's him doing the screams as well. Like, he does this kind of clean scream thing, sometimes overlapping the two. So it still has this kind of black metal energy, although being, I'd say, more clean vocals than screams and then that's melding with on top of you know the lineup i sort of described is a lot of like guitars and drums but then there's sort of keyboards in there there's the aforementioned xylophone there's a lot of like uh flutes and pipes and stuff like lots of very folk sounding stuff as you might have guessed from like the album titles about where it's um it's all based on uh mayan mythology i believe and like the front cover looks like one of those like the big stone carving of a face that's like very very connected with that bit of history and the tracks like they're very expansive it's um six songs most of them well over the seven minute mark in fact like the only one that doesn't really fit that is the enter the palace of masks the four minute opener which is kind of the biggest letdown of the album to be honest like it's it's a four minute sort of folky instrumental track that just slowly builds and then the second song from corn to dusk sort of bursts in with the, the really big black metal percussion all the guitars and like vince valve's presence suddenly appears quite quite large on the album and then suddenly uh Lars's vocals come in and you know things suddenly become a lot more dramatic a lot more metal like um and the intro I, I feel would have been a good intro it didn't really need to be quite as long as it is but that's almost the the weakest part of the album I think you know just if you are listening to this in in order like push through that it it gets a lot better yeah once it gets into the tracks proper i think it's really enjoyable really engaging and it doesn't really overstay its welcome it's only only about 42 minutes and there's plenty of changes direction changes in pace like interesting ideas thrown in throughout the folk elements don't overwhelm they don't ever become cheesy like they keep things like interesting and ever changing without yeah without falling into some of the traps of the more folk influenced stuff and i think lars's voice has like enough melancholy and that mixed with like the kind of darkness of the more black metal patterns of the guitar i mean it always has a very sinister eerie nature to it albeit slightly slightly different filtered through that sort of you know mayan lens of uh, of style rather than your you know more traditional norwegian folk influence stuff as i had mentioned before like the bar the band other than lars are all france based and like even the guy who masters it is the guy who mastered the last few blutus nord albums so and unsurprisingly that it feels you know not a million miles off like a blutus nord album in terms of the way like the drums and guitars and the songs are all mixed now they come together they have that slightly slightly raw slightly kind of i don't know like lo-fi project feel to it but there is a lot of uh interesting stuff on display with all the various elements mixing together and for all this variation it creates a very consistent atmosphere start to finish yeah i just think a fantastic album trying something just like a little a little new with the formula and as i say i seem to have dipped oddly under the radar for for such an interesting lineup <laughs>
So number 14 was an album I covered early in the year that's still like I've remained very fond of since it came out back in early March. This is At the Altar of the Horn God with their second album, Heart of Silence. So another like atmospheric um, black metal project tinged with some folk influences, some other stuff, some clean vocals. This time a one-man effort by Helio Store, Spanish multi-instrumentalist. He credited on this with vocals, guitar, drums, djembe and keyboards. Um, and this is just one of those albums where... I, they had a debut, which I really loved. I thought there was loads of great things about Through the Doors of Midnight. You know, a great melding of kind of classic sort of Ivoid Hanger style black metal atmospherics with ideas from sort of goth music and cool ritualistic elements sort of woven between those those two concepts. And Heart of Silence just took all of that from the previous album and improved on it, like, the first album had a really cool album cover. This one's got an even better one, I think, by the same cover artist. Turns out I'm wrong. It is a different cover artist. This one was done by Luciana Nadelia. Um, and it's an amazing piece. I love it. I like, One of those ones I had to get, like, the t-shirt as soon as the album came out. Because I was like, that just looks... That looks too cool. Like, the amazing little details to it. Like, one of the tracks in the runtime is a cover of Suicide Commander's God is in the Rain. Where they just take a song which, like... I, I'm not a fan of the original, but like it has an interesting refrain in it, and they did just do this amazing thing of turning it into this like ridiculously atmospheric, very powerful song. This is just a great album to dive into if you want that sort of ritualistic energy to black metal, that kind of thing where there's lots of very repetitive structures that put you into a into a headspace and like get you get you to just be absorbed by the music but not necessarily in that way where you're focusing on the intricacies of the guitar it just takes you to a place that absolutely fantastic for that i think they've just nailed it perfectly Number 13, we are a band I've covered before. This is Afanathios. Um, Afanathios? Yeah, I think that's that's how you say it. A-T-H-A-N-A-T-H-E-O-S. Uh, I think it's a kind of like sort of pig Latin <laughs> amendment of two words. They even put like a capitalization in the middle of it. But this is their third album, Crossed and I Glorify. They get another French band, but this time far more on the death metal realm. A band like I personally like lumping with a big kind of morbid angel influence and maybe that's speaking to like my bias between which uh kind of old school 
uh death metal bands i like i i love but i i really got that it's it's very much got that sort of covenant slash domination era very chunky death metal vibe to it the band are pretty experienced at this point um i first like i became aware of their debut a few years back at alpha theistic from 2012 and you know really solid album like you know taking elements from those bands but putting their own spin on it like while they they have that kind of the great really memorable riffing and ultra tight grooves of something like morbid angel but they don't really have the tech of it like they play fast like these are great musicians like the drum performance is amazing on this but it's not the ultra shred of tray there's not really a lot of um fancy lead guitar work in this the the kind of leads are more subdued and there for atmosphere like it's a very atmospheric album as well like although it's pretty much brutal start to finish it's 50 minute runtime really wastes nothing like it, it is a solid album start to finish but it has like a very dramatic flair to it and that fits very well with its kind of extremely sort of blatant atheistic like anti-christianity type vibe it has going going to the lyrical approach which occurred to me like listening to this i haven't i haven't heard a death metal album like a new release death metal album in quite some time that's so strictly stuck to the lyrical theme of like anti-religion it's like you know felt oddly throwback in a way yeah they, they just i really love everything about the delivery of this the um the vocals are fantastic they're just very deep and enunciated like you really they really fit well and like you know emphasize the themes and the, yeah there is just like the performance just really works so well for the um and like it keeps you you interested throughout there's a lot of great changes of pace the track in the middle of the album to deny is is under three minutes of just like straight blasting or uh, towards the start of the album saying like um you were not is really like this great kind of like stop start like really rapid fire with everything like neatly like the guitars bass everything really neatly synced sunk up with the the brilliant drum performance that makes this ultra catchy groovy thing but then later on we tracks like the silent oblivion or to glorify which get way more doomy like to glorify is almost 13 minutes long and has this huge like atmospheric departure in the middle of it before building to a very dramatic ending so yeah it's just lots lots to appeal on this it's a really kind of memorable interesting album and it's something you know i'd love to experience live because it has that nature where the riffs are so good and so memorable you, you know you'd hear them once in the first verse and by the time you go around to the second verse you know what you're gonna like you know you're expecting the riff to come back and want to hear it again i i feel this and it's just quite brutal music as well i think it would be you know it feels like it really fit well in the live setting but in terms of the album like it's a fantastic mix it's a fantastic package like i just really advise this one to check out if you're you know a fan of the slightly kind of morbid angel leaning end of osdm All right.
Now, this next album, I think, would make a fantastic double feature with Fanafios. Um, this is a, yet another French band, actually. Catacomb, with their debut album, When the Stars Are Right. So this is one that, for me, totally came out of left field. I think I'd known the band were doing stuff, but I wasn't quite expecting this. So, Catacomb, you may be aware, have a legendary demo in the maze of Kadef back from 1993. Um, just one of those absolute classic death metal demos this brilliant kind of amalgamation of early french brutality with some very flashy lead guitar work just one of those bands who fully nailed an idea that early on like they had this demo which just felt like such a perfect vision and then sadly like didn't materialize into a full length and they've had a couple of attempts at sort of a comeback with the say we will inherit back in 2001 um like an ep then and then there's been a rolling kind of hints that something big was coming for a while with like singles through 2020 so we have two original members in the band the bass player and lead guitarist bass player ben has now taken up vocals as well and then joined by two mem newer members to fill out the lineup and we get when the stars are right it has i'd say like the dramaticism of cross deny glorify but where that album messed around with a lot of like ideas of going doomier and slowing things down to add heaviness this is like balls to the wall throughout like the drumming is extremely fast and the way it's mixed everything just does feel like it's breaking at the seams like the guitars are hugely layered and sound massive the vocals sound absolutely incredible and like really overwhelming like actually with the demo the the demo had this really great deep vocal performance and it somewhat blew my mind it's not the same vocalist i i I they, the guy has a really like he's trained himself to have a really similar vocal delivery to their original vocalist. So despite not being the same guy, there's that like sort of continuity between the two releases. And there's a lot that's like charmingly old school about this Catacomb release. But the fact is, they were always like for '93, they were pushing the bounds of technicality of the guitar work with these like you know mad sweet picks um guitar solos those are still there like these these songs do have these absolute explosions of fury of like when when lead guitar hits it's you know this absolute flurry of like shredding notes but always in the theme always adding to the atmosphere there's there's like little bits of layered keyboard but it's never anything that you know breaks the the sort of the bounds of the songs or like overwhelms them the core focus is the the big riffs and the the kind of monstrous vocals and just the general pummeling the albums delivering like it manages to create great atmosphere too within that um but it is far more sort of rigidly structured with every song being like almost exactly at the four minute mark it is these tight like you know pile of really cool riffs and then move on to the next thing Topped off by an absolutely amazing album cover. I love this this image of this kind of Fulian deity pulling apart this altar in the rain. It's a very dramatic scene. Um it just really appealed to me. Like and it's got the the classic completely overwrought catacomb logo as well. It just really a really cool thing of seeing a band that have this kind of legendary, you know early release that is almost impossible to live up to coming back with something that was you know really charming and really enjoyable and 
took just the right amount of influence from the old album, but accepted, you know, things have moved on exactly 30 years from the release of that, but they're never going to sound the same. But they've, they've kept the ideas there in spirit. This still feels like it's written by the same people. It's just, you know, had all the, the weight of, you know, modern digital recording being able to advance what they can do with the sound. And, yeah, to tie things in as well, we even get a Morbid Angel cover of Chapel of Ghouls at the end of the album, which, as often with these bands when doing a death metal cover... It's fun, if somewhat redundant, but I guess nice to see see an influence, and certainly an influence that would have been very contemporary to them at the time of writing the sort of original material. But yeah, again, if you're looking for, like, an OSDM fix and, like, something on the more brutal end of that genre, I, I really think this Cascoom album's worth checking out. And it's something that's, you know, stuck with me really well since it came out back in March. <laughs> might start seeing a genre trend in these uh i've been rather into the death metal in the last few months so the next one of these um albums at number 11 is for bruce with surveillance orgy uh for bruce spelled f-e-b-r-u-u-s so this is a one-man project from sweden and it was um recommended to me by michael toe it's just like a very interesting um sort of on the more techie end of of death metal for for sort of my my usual taste but like yeah merging some sort of very complex very technical very all over the place um riffing with some sort of like brutal death metal energy and then some more like sort of atmospheric leanings it's surveillance orgy is a very all over the place album but in a way that doesn't feel like hard to pass it's just like it just keeps doing different engaging things and finds really neat ways to take like strange left turns it's something that like immediately grabbed me because of the mix like i believe the drums are programmed like i i think i always guess that with a one-man project like uh andreas carlson the main instrumentalist behind it is just credited with like all instruments and vocals um but yeah so the drums are prone but the thing that grabbed me was like it has this huge bass tone this um, very like in, within the first couple of seconds of riffing we get this very complex bit of bass out by itself and then all the guitars come in and they meld really well creating this huge chunky sound that does a lot to sort of obscure the fact that the drums might not sound as good as like if they're recording in a room but they like they all come together really nicely and then 
the vocals come in and they're this like you know then we get this like very brutal guttural like almost wall of noise vocal approach but i know there's a lot of depth to his vocals they, like it's that kind of thing where they sound like they'd be loud like there's there's a lot of a lot of voice to them even if you know you're not really getting the sense of the lyrics which is kind of a shame because like the uh because the titles are you know very interesting sounding stuff like the title track surveillance orgy or gentrification of the soul resignation syndrome like interesting like you know sort of political sounding stuff and like coupled with this like front cover of like this kind of like uh medical gloved hands putting a human being into a test tube like it, it's all cool stuff that comes together very well and like the logo's weird in in kind of a unique way i just i i like a lot about the presentation is bad the the guy behind it as well uh andreas carlson um seems to be all over the place like he has he has a load of other projects but they're all completely different genres like he's one that's black metal one that's like experimental doom slash rock another that's like described as a psychedelic explosion of fuzziness blues country and stiff grooves like I don't know what this guy's music taste is, but it sounds really interesting. And it just doesn't come off from this album, because this album feels like that hyper-focused, like, death metal energy. Like, there's, you know, there's there feels like little nods to that, like, sort of modern American explosion of interesting tech death, you know, your, your artificial brains and, and stuff like that. But then there's some more older-feeling stuff. There is, I'd say, like, elements of, like, a Doom influence, and there's certainly where it gets that nature to the atmosphere in places. But yeah, it's, it's hard to fully place the influences to that. It just feels, feels like a very unique product. I think the ever-changing nature of it might be a bit much for some listeners. Like, someone like Morningstar over Deathlyham goes through so many different ideas in this eight-minute runtime, like switching it out of, like, like bizarre short clean tone guitar passages that's somewhat like reminiscent of like sort of mathy music but then like sort of these heavy blasty sections moments that feel like they've almost got a tinge of hardcore but for me i always felt like the album sort of naturally rolled along it never felt like a jarring like shifting gears every every transition feels earned in this like for bruce are just doing some very very complex music but because of the huge like chunky production and like just fantastic performances the guitar and bass work on this is ridiculous and that that consistently brutal vocal approach it, it ties it all together nicely and presents like an album that definitely rewards repeat listens it's complex music that does take time and focus like it, he's put together just a really really interesting release there <laughs>
Number 10 is a band I always feel woefully unprepared to review, and never more so than the fact the album's only been out less than a month. This is Midnight Odyssey with Bioloom Part 3, A Full Moon Madness. So, I first became aware of uh, Midnight Odyssey through the second part of the series, Bioloom Part 2, The Golden Orb, but they're a band that's been around for a very long time, one-man project of Dispatter, um, incredible multi-instrumentalist vocalist, particularly notable for his soaring clean vocals and amazing deep rich keyboard work and his ridiculously long albums like a full moon madness is a mere two hours four minutes 30 seconds long a 13 track epic and the the truest sense of the word opening with a 13 minute long epic which is the longest track on the album but still like most of these songs are clocking in around the 10 minute mark and there are these very slow burn dramatic building heavy metal slash black metal songs that he switches between like a clean vocal and a scream vocal everything is layered in these huge keyboard passages but there's some great guitar work in there but the keyboards are the core of the lead work in this album um and big program drums like often like you know, supporting the heavier elements of this with massive, like, double kick sections. The thing that struck me is interesting with Bioloom, say, particularly in comparison to part one and two, is A Full Moon Madness has gone heavier than its predecessors. It does seem to be leaning more towards the black metal tracks like there is there is a few songs which we don't have any of his clean voice on it there is probably more of that like gnarly tremolo pick guitar stuff in this like this does feel more <gasps> akin to some of the like the demo work like firmaments rather than you know like maybe the more like i don't know melodic stuff like shards of silver fade this this feels like like a, a very, an album somewhat in opposition with um the golden orb like both are brilliant i i, I love both in a big way but Doorknob was very, very melodic, very um, hinging on these massive dramatic choruses, whereas this still hasn't. I mean, there's, there's there's enough time in this album to show like almost all the facets of Midnight Odyssey in various parts. Like the band, like also Dispatter, does put out stuff under the same name, which are more just um, like you know atmospheric, like almost dungeon symphony type albums like there are moments of this you know you get huge sections which are just keyboards you get moments that are the big choruses and massive dramatic build-ups but there's a lot of moments on this which are more of a pure black metal like tracks like the horned goddess or they have always known really lean into that kind of energy and it, this path has got a fantastic scream voice as well like these these really work but then you do get stuff like say witching eyes or the ghosts of endymion which more lean towards clean vocals or the amazing five minute closer luna which is just keyboards and his clean voice and it feels like a perfect capstone on this long build and certainly something that's very earned after getting through the full two-hour runtime of this now i know midnight odyssey are a hard sell for most people it, you know i i truly understand why people would be very apprehensive about diving into a two-hour-long concept album that follows on from an hour and a half and a two-hour-long concept album in one giant piece. But there is a lot to love about this. Like, 
the artwork to go along with it is absolutely spectacular like i've always enjoyed like the covers for this series and i think this one might be the best so far the like there is really interesting depth for the lyrics i wish i'd had a bit more time to go into them ahead of this but you know there's loads of interesting allegory for classic mythology and stuff mixed in with other themes and it, it makes for like these really compelling stories but yeah i had to say i haven't had time to work out how they all sort of relate and come together but this is an album that will certainly reward your time if you you can find the two hours to listen to it but i understand that being very difficult for most listeners to check out in one session i, I think dispatcher is once again like put out something really spectacular and this is a fantastic follow-up to the album that sort of got me into the band So at number nine is yet another death metal debut. This is Disguised Malignance with Entering the Gateways. I'm going to say again, sorry, my cold made the word malignance really hard to say. Disguised Malignance. Oh my god, sorry, this is going to be a nightmare of a plot nose. So Disguised Malignance are from Finland, um, and as I say, it's their, their debut from the band photo they look like a very young band and the image of the band sold them to me so hard of these guys in incredibly white je- tight jeans with bright white trainers you, like you know the exact like late fresh like early death metal look this is going for all of their hair hanging down over their faces sort of early obituary style like you know a lot of t-shirts referencing kind of classic bands and yeah this is definitely kind of a throwback uh osdm album with like these very clear lovecraftian themes but this five piece they perform at a level that you know would have been very much worthy of comment at the time of like ridiculously tight fast drumming like very complex chaotic guitar work but it's a difficult album to comment on because it's just one of those death metal albums where there's nothing on it you've not heard before. They just sort of get everything right. The tone is nasty and evil in that really perfect way. The half hour sort of runtime of the album is just ball to wall great riffs. This is like, I, like it's quite different to like Kasakuma album, except despite the fact both are clearly drawing from like similar wells like there's the very related lyrical themes they both have like a very kind of shreddy complex approach to guitar but there's something about the way this is mixed this seems to have so much less of like it is brutal in the traditional sense but it's not an album that seems to have taken much influence from 
the sort of rise of brutal death metal through the late 90s whereas i feel kasukun were both influential to that and took influence from that this feels yeah sort of more rooted in the classics and a lot of like there's you know echoes of the finnish classic death metal in there as well like you know there there's little nods and things to stuff like demulage demigod like that sort of unknowable weirdness of that seeps into this although it is more sort of classically obvious as death metal nothing could ever be quite as weird as that demi lich album i think no matter how hard you try that it's still just always going to be such a strange product um yeah like uh, entering the gateways is just like it's something that just from the opening seconds of gates of nile just connected me just hit that bit in my brain which is why i love death metal i can never explain to anyone who doesn't get it why that's good it's just good like those riffs those guitar tones that vocal delivery they're just fantastic they create such a reaction to me that i, I just absolutely love there's there's some fun bits that are outside the norm i guess on this this album uh, particularly track seven disengagement for eternity this seven minute song has a very interesting instrumental detour in the middle of it that's a really fun sort of surprise i've ruined for you when you're listening to the album because it's been very traditionally death metal for every step of the way and then then this quite strange thing happens in but the last five minutes of the album effectively there's just so much to like about this the the vocals have that sort of brutality and depth to them like there's just so much like a rumble to his growl and when he holds like longer screams and stuff like remnants of serenity just yeah really really appeals um in that way the the drums have like quite a they're sort of like almost an odd mix which but just works perfectly for the album like it's got a really tight sounding snare like the the, the, sort of the skin of the snare sounds like it's really tight it's got this real like huge sledgehammer sound when the the whenever the snare kicks in which like the blasting sections adds some real power to them and then the kicks feel like really full and huge in in a similar way but despite that the mix sort of really nails it where you're never you're never sort of losing the the guitar in there like the guitar and bass are always like somewhat somewhat present in the sound actually looking on metal archive as well though they're a five-piece band now um this does seem to be near enough like the the project of main man and drummer um felix uh like he um he's responsible with drums guitar and vocals on this so as the bass player is on this album as well and there's there's a guest solo but yeah he's doing all of it what an incredible musician like apparently he's 18 years old oh my god oh i'm i'm gonna go put my guitars in a bit what the fuck oh <laughs> right sorry i think i'm recovered from that fucking hell yeah he also he also mixed it as well like he's ow yeah okay well maybe this should have been higher up the list in hindsight bloody hell well but cool he's got a five-piece band around him now let's see how he kind of i hope he can bring this to the live stage it's always interesting like a drummer vocalist band like this is he getting someone else in to do the vocals now like and i feel this music would translate really really nicely to like the live scene yeah so if you're into death metal like this is definitely like an up-and-coming act and it's, this is like one of the first like i assume first full lengths he's been involved when 
I can't wait to see where he goes next with this stuff. So to avoid running too long, I think quite a few of the next bands are ones I've covered on the podcast before, so I won't go too in-depth with them, but I'll still give everyone like a, a brief description. So the next album was a, you know, another one, by a band I came completely new to earlier in the year. This is Subterranean Disposition with Individuation, uh, Australian death doom band, but death doom with a really interesting progressive angle I hadn't heard before. Another project that, you know, has become a, a sort of a big five-piece band but actually was um was entirely a one-man project to start with of um multi-instrumentalist terry veneras who um you know plays guitars does uh vocals saxophone like on the early albums i assume was doing everything with sort of program drums and the band's been active since 2011 put out three albums so individuation shows like a you know a very mature band but a band who were like still very into experimenting like there is so many like brilliant weird ideas in this like it's a very well mixed huge sounding essentially i'd say doom at its heart album like it's it's about these sort of very big riffs where you know sometimes it'll be accompanied by like faster heavier drumming and more growled vocals but then there's all these different takes on clean vocals throughout it as well and sections where you know more relies on clean tone and melody and then throughout and mixed in with all those ideas i mentioned before in different places is is some brilliant saxophone playing so you know i think this is a great album to show anyone who has that sort of sense that sax in metal is just like oh they just throw it in for the odd solo because that's not how it's used in subterranean disposition it is just another melody instrument in a band which has lots of competing melodies already between the guitars um you know the the sort of vocals and all all that's going on there is there is experiments that work better than others in this i think there's there's moments of the clean vocals that aren't quite as strong as everything else in the album which i, I think that's the stuff which maybe has the edge of holding it back but honestly the the album is so ever-changing if it ever hits you an idea that isn't exactly your thing it moves on to something new and there's new texture coming there there is so many great ideas and and it keeps finding ways to surprise you The, the final track shadow work feels very different to everything that came before it but still keeps that kind of doomy atmosphere yeah, the subterranean disposition disposition just seemed like they were on something 
quite unique with this sound and i really like that inclusion of like really progressive ideas into doom metal while never really losing sight of how to sound doomy how to sound bleak in that kind of classic death doom manner number seven another album covered early in the year and yet another debut this is lightbreaker with annihilation of the annealids so lightbreaker a uh, solo project of leon del merte of impaled and murder construct fame great vocalist and guitarist who did a project where he explicitly wanted to continue the ideas that very strange alpha of early at the gates fame project oxyplexigats were doing which was this combining of death metal with like a kind of symphonic prog opera using a combination of like screen vocals and and sort of clean operatic vocals and to do this leon is kind of creating a full band around this where he's doing i believe the harsh vocals all the guitar work and like sort of a lot of the programming but then he has drummer robin stone present and a series of guest vocalists um uh yuta plotkin and uh quinton gardner in particular doing combination of a deeper like male operatic voice and a higher female operatic voice both are absolutely fantastic singers and i love pretty much every moment they come in the vocals and it has that very fun dramatic concept album thing going on where the free vocalists sort of play free characters the the female vocals are like the human scientists making contact with this alien race um leon himself is the voice of the alien race in the screen vocal range and the male like uh operatic vocals are the the military commanders of earth who are kind of in opposition to the scientists approach to meeting with these aliens should mention one of the big things about oxyplexigats is it's all crazy stuff about aliens and you know in a incredibly unsellable way the 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 funny thing about the band always being that just he left out the gates just before they did sort of sort of the soul and became the biggest thing in the world at least in like you know the death metal scene um and then went on to do like the most unsellable project ever with these really awkward album covers and leon has gone so full in on this like he has created a really awkward cgi collage album cover to go along with this which kind of looks terrible but it's absolutely perfect for a project you know taking influence from oxyplexigats that way he's gone full in on the over the top concept i love i love the concept actually I, I think it's really well done i think the sort of the way the story progresses and the way it pays off at the end 
actually is really compelling and interesting. Yeah, it's super cheesy. It's a it's a metal opera. Like it it is going to be cheesy. But if you're along for the ride, like there's loads of great stuff in there. The songs are brilliant, and he avoids like sort of quite possible pitfalls on doing a metal opera. Of the, the album's only thirty six minutes long. Like he's kept it tight. These are good songs, and like no idea outstays its welcome, and actually has this really interesting progression because of that. Where stuff isn't repeated very often, like song like not all the songs they say have a big chorus necessarily like ideas come and go quite fast the vocal performances and the lyrics are probably what's going to grab you on this but the musicianship there is fantastic there is moments of great kind of like lead guitar and there's like guest uh keyboards and flute on the album there's you know all sorts of interesting textures and things added i just dream super fun album um yeah and it's it's one that sort of stuck with me over the course of this year i i also really love oxyplexy yes and felt that was an idea that you know really could be taken further and yeah it, st- <laughs> it remains unique because as i say even even now this is this is a hard sell. A lot of people will not be on board for a, a operatic concept album about aliens, but I think it really works. Next up is another album I covered earlier in the year. At number six, we have The Anchorette with It All Began With Loneliness. Another debut, but this time in the true progressive metal sense. The Anchorette, like, I think I said at the time, they felt like a bit of a throwback to a lot of that stuff I really liked around sort of 2010 of, like, early Haken, like, maybe, like, kind of what Leprous were emerging with. A lot of those kind of progressive metal bands before the sort of, for want of a better phrase, like the gent influence took hold in a huge way where they were doing this kind of progressive metal that was very heavily influenced by like older progressive rock, but took some of like the metal sensibilities of like the big sounding double kick and heavy detuned guitar, but gave that like soaring clean vocals and ridiculous bombastic solos and what the anchorette do is take a lot of that and mix it with just layering more and more interesting ideas and different things so it's not just a big guitar solo every time there's an alto sax lead there's bits of flute and clarinet throughout the music there's additional percussionists there's even like someone credited with like gospel vocals who just adds like this really sort of over the top uh like extra vocal passage on on two of the tracks like 
they're you know incredibly bombastic is the word like they're big sounding very proggy in the sense of you know complex showy musicianship and really focus on these huge melodies and super memorable sort of choruses and lyrical hooks um vocalist silvano claire like goes from these like huge like soaring choruses but then has these like has a vocal delivery that really works on the sort of the heavier more like chuggy metallic riffing where he puts a lot of fry in his vocal and it sounds like kind of harsh and has a bit of grit to it and and i think like as a whole the anchor have a nice balance between those sort of two modes of like this slightly more you know just heavy somewhat metallic prog metal and then flying off into these amazing like melodic departures or like huge keyboard solos or you know amazingly fancy guitar work or as i say like like a massive chorus that comes back with a huge gospel backing on it it's, you know I, I think from that description you're really going to get a sense of whether you're going to have any time for this or not like it's it's certainly a forward-thinking album but it just really scratches an itch for me of like i've been looking for something very kind of classic prog metally that doesn't lean into exclusively sort of that eight string messing with time signature sort of stuff which is great i you know i do love a lot of that i go to art tangent every year it's just there is a lot of it around and uh, i've been missing this sound somewhat i won't go on to more too much more about this i feel like i cover them a great length in in that episode uh halfway through the year so go back to that if you want a, a more detailed review but certainly if you're looking for something in the kind of classic progressive metal vein check out the anchorettes it all began with loneliness <laughs> At number five, we have Wormhole with Almost Human. So Wormhole are a band, like, I think they're primarily based out of the States, but, you know, they have the, the tag of being international and mainly formed by the guitarist duo of brothers uh, Sanil Kumar and Sanjay Kumar. Um, but the, the the lineup has sort of been rounded out over the years with a drummer, bass player, and, and vocalist, both the bass player and vocalist sort of new to the new to the band for this album i got quite into them with their second album the weakest among us a few years back and like their sound is hinged on like this core idea and the core idea is really fun of they want to be the band that bridges the gap between tech death and slam metal so all their songs must have both a techie part and a slammy part and their real skill is transitioning between them and they've been you know building on this idea i think weakest among us did a really good job of this and with almost human they've 
basically transcended the concept and with this like this very short sort of 27 minute like slab of incredibly brutal death metal have just it cemented for me that idea of this this burgeoning subgenre of this sort of like sci-fi techy experimental metal and it's it's sort of rooted in brutal death metal but it has a touch of everything the opener system arrays i don't think anyone will be able to decouple from like the, the specter of artificial brain uh, you know real poster child for the for the genre with maybe like say gore guts as a, a sort of slightly left field earlier influence isn't quite in it but there, there's a path from them there like system arrays it has those kind of like echoing like harmonic high notes over this like heavier super detuned guitar in this very you know chugging tempo and then the, the ultra low vocals come in like the thing that wormholes still have and is like sort of almost the unique selling point in this is they never fully get rid of the slams they still have the for want of a better term the kind of the meat-headed bit of a bit of brutal death metal they still have that that sort of nastiness and brutality they never get fully lost in the atmospherics which you know bands like afterbirth or artificial brain like later albums sort of move towards that they are almost entirely in this like higher minded uh camp like wormhole have this fantastic ability to just be in both at once and it all the transitions feel natural it's a very it's a very pummeling heavy album but it also has all these moments of just absolutely incredible spectacular songwriting ideas that like 10 years ago I, I i think would have been somewhat unthinkable in the genre of slam metal like needless to say the musicianship is absolutely spectacular but rarely showy i think there's like one guitar solo on the, the whole album and it's a really cool guitar solo it almost makes me want more despite the fact that possibly adding like another element this band doesn't need to their already very complex sound the vocals are super low and brutal sounding as is kind of a theme of a lot of the bands I've been covering today. The drum performance is this ultra tight, very heavy, very fast, like just really solid tech death performance. But when they go into the slammy parts, they, this band does the the really great, just heavy, classic, brutal death metal sound perfectly. And to you know, tie it all up, like it's another one where the album cover is fantastic. The 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 piece they've got for this one does look just spectacular. It's an Adam Burke art, so I mean at this point saying Adam Burke stuff looks great is is unfair and once again inviting the um the artificial brain comparison with his legendary cover for, for infrared horizon but this is another one like this is one of his really great ones like definitely something as soon as i saw it, it's like i need i need a t-shirt of this this cover and yeah the the mix is like yeah really really solid like i i, I love how this album sounds like i just there is so little i have to fault it it's just well, you're about to see all, all the albums, albums I get to. It's in a competitive field this year. Move. 
So number four, we have another debut album. This is Flesh Vessel, Yearning, Promethean, Fate Sealed. Again, one I really don't want to go into too deeply because I covered them very recently on an episode. Uh, but this was a band where I really liked their EP, Barla Man Reborn, that came out in 2020. And it's another Ivoid Hanger release, a label I'm obviously very prone to enjoying stuff from. But unlike their sort of usual stuff, Flesh Vessel are a band that kind of I'd say root themselves in sort of death metal as sort of a core, like a lot of the members of the band had an older death metal band, but they've expanded that sound by adding in a ridiculous lineup of additional instruments with guest glockenspiel, trumpet, clarinet players, um, members of the band are credited with like all sorts of stuff like just weird bits of percussion, viola, um, flute. Well, there's a flute player. It's just part of the core lineup. So you have this very ever-changing sort of sound. The album has this really interesting structure of its four ten-minute-long songs or ten-minute or longer songs split by these these short interlude tracks. And there's a lovely like natural progression through that. Like the album very much feels like a cohesive hour of music that goes through all these weird and wonderful changes. It's very naturally progressive because of the ridiculous amounts of ideas the band want to go through. It manages to get heavy when it wants to, but there's also, you know, so many other elements going on there. Just a really, like, really fascinating listen. I don't, as I say, I don't want to reiterate myself too much, but it's an album that's sort of stuck with me since it came out, and I feel like, again, it's one that really rewards repeat listens. It's a little overwhelming first first time you put it on, because there is so much going on and so many changes in direction, but I think it's earned, and I think it really builds on the promise of that first, like, 20-minute-long song they put out. There is now, yeah, there's a cohesive sound to Flesh Vessel, and they are really pushing the envelope of that sort of experimental death metal sound. Like, And really, like, yeah, this stuff, I think, always owes an influence to earlier Opeth, like that that kind of Blackwater Park era Opeth and if you like that kind of sound give this a go, this is you know, pushing things way out to the distance horizons of like, <laughs> kind of experimentation and, and prog and interesting like, touches on that, but it, you know it has that same sense of doing a really good job, essentially of heavy light, heavy light and if you like that kind of sound I think Flesh Festival are really worth a listen <laughs>
And number three, we have an album that will shock no one is on my end of the year list. This is Afterbirth with their third album, In But Not Of. So for those who aren't familiar, Afterbirth are a band that like had a legendary demo back in 1994 with, you know, one of the most deepest brutal kind of takes on particularly death metal vocals at that point in time hugely influential but never made it to a full-length album then eventually reforming tragically after the death of the original singer pulled in big will of then artificial brain fame to to take up uh, vocal duties and put out two fantastic albums time traveler's dilemma and i think my favorite like i say last year any year show i did was 2020 and my album of the year back then was afterbirth's four-dimensional flesh i just thought an absolutely spectacular way of finding new ground in the genre of brutal death metal like they're now classified on metal archives as a progressive brutal death metal band which which is a title that totally fits like they like prog is so naturally woven into what they do but this is a very different style of prog to say like the flesh vessel stuff we were i was covering and earlier like these songs are short they're so to the point often often around the two minute mark something that really makes them stand out to me in the modern death metal field is the fact they've only got one guitarist and they work as a like a live unit like that with bass player guitar and drums and vocalists they don't have the second guitar player which means the bass and drums have to fill up so much more of the mix to make these songs sort of interesting and the guitars are often the more simplistic more traditional death metal part and the drums and bass will find really interesting ground. The bass playing is is just next level. It always has been on their stuff. Where, like they they uh, David Case, like he finds so many interesting things to do, like throwing in like interesting little harmonics or just totally like bizarre choices of a side that works so well, but like often has this great like kind of clank to his bass playing that really gives it this heavy percussive feeling and. Um, Keith Harris, the drummer, you know, one of the rare death metal drummers to use like a set of roto toms. So, throws in these little fills that sound very different for the style. Lots of work down like little splash cymbals as well, or, or like on the bell of a cymbal that always just feel like very noticeable and all this mix. And Will is just the perfect fit for this, adding just this extra almost rhythmic part with his ultra low vocals. Like, they also keep a lot of elements that have been like a part of the sound for a while but they they still have the these moments of sort of very atmospheric songs and completely like not metal although with this album they're more weaved in before we don't have a full track like girl in the landscape or anything like that it's a case of say some like the first half of hovering human head drones fantastic song title um is this this very soundscapey piece but then it breaks into a more like heavy movement i guess what's interesting with afterbirth as well is because of the way the sounds mix because of this sort of focus on atmospherics like their ne- music never feels heavy it never feels overwhelmingly brutal in a way that like say wormhole by comparison is a very very brutal band like that is the like essentially a lot of that is the essence of what is scary about death metal whereas like 
Afterbirth feel like the closest a band could get to breaking out of the, you know, trappings of what people assume death metal is like with ultra-cultural vocals. Like, I think it's something you could show people from other genres and those with a more open mind might actually be able to give it a go because of the way the songs are constructed, because of so many things happening. The, yeah, like, Will's incredibly brutal, incredibly death metal vocal approach might be something people could overlook um i think it's amazing as well i should state like i absolutely love it i know i know with a lot of these bands i'm covering the these kind of vocal styles will be an absolute turn off and i, I understand like you know vocals are a very personal thing they don't always work for everyone but i like how it interacts here and also i i i, I still love what they're doing with sort of lyrics like as much as Yes, you do have to read along with the songs. When songs have titles like Vivisected Psychopomp, I want to go pick up the lyric book and have a flick through and see what they've come up with for ideas like that. And they're, they're rarely disappointing. These guys, you know, write really solid lyrics that make diving a bit deeper really worthwhile. And especially because, you know, it's, it's a short album that you can just really invest yourself in for 40 minutes. It's... They are continuing on a sound, and I'm really glad something like this exists because it's just given me such a renewed love for brutal death metal. So continuing on the brutal death metal vein, we have a band I've become incredibly fond of in the last year or so. This is Fanatophobia, and um, if you listen to the top fifteen of twenty twenty, I did with um, twenty twenty two. Sorry, I did with Into the Combine. I mentioned their debut, Rebirth Through Destruction, on there, an album that had really sort of taken me at the time. They got their second album out incredibly fast, Internal Metamorphose, which. Um, I did cover on the podcast earlier in the year. They have the interesting thing of being a two-piece. We have one member who covers all the sort of musicianship and one member who covers all the vocals, like an international project um, uh, based between uh, Russia and Belarus. And the two members, like, they, they both seem like they're doing the job of about four people. Uh, vocalist Den goes from he has those kind of big wheel style ultra lows but he throws in these like great black metal snarls and all sorts of weird other voices he tries and um guitar by like, i say primary guitarist dimitri equally is just all over the map on his playing so whereas the the previous album was kind of these shorter contained songs they've got a bit more expansive this with this album the the opener internal metamorphose is is a 10 minute long song that goes through all these ridiculous movements like it has that kind of 
becoming, as I say, more of a thing, that sci-fi black metal feel to some of the riffing, which really, every time they do it, it's so striking. I remember that first track on their debut really having a moment where it suddenly, like, shifted from a kind of slammy moment into this, like, just otherworldly, like, echoey sci-fi death metal riff, and it just absolutely mind-blowing, and they keep being able to pull off that particular maneuver on this album but among many other things there's lots of just different ideas and the songs just all have something some massive hook or moment of just something musically really special happens from like the kind of full orchestral intro to uh curse of reincarnation to like the crazy like melodic shreddy leads of wrath of the star god there's always a you know, a different element to every song. And I, I think this this one will be a very hard sell of mine to people because unlike Afterbirth, where they've got that kind of naturally very appealing Colin Marston smoothness to us, this has the jagged edges of Brutal Death Metal. The mix is, is raw and harsh. The drums are huge and overpowering in places. Like, the vocals are just nasty and extreme particularly when he goes in for those real lows and it does still have those moments of traditional slam mixed with everything else but it's almost hard to pin this down to like one specific genre being its main thing because it has so many of these repeating themes and yeah and i think as well like I, i'm pretty giving this band a lot of credit for the the speed of release like i i thought their last album was excellent and really inventive They've got this album out like within about six months of that. This internal metamorphosis came out quite early this year, and in the time it's taken me to start like sort of making notes and put this episode together, they've released another album. That's, that's like three albums in the space of get yeah, about fourteen months, like fourteen, eighteen months, something like that. It's absolute ridiculous work rate, and from the first listen of Kaleidoscope of Fears. It's. I don't know that it's going to quite rival um, Intellimethamorphos for me. It seems to be doing kind of almost the opposite thing, where they've gone back for shorter, tighter, like to the point song structures, which may be leaning more towards the the brutal death end rather than some of those more progressive elements that they're chasing on this album. Which those still cool, still interesting, but I think I really do like when they go for the sort of the weirdness. Like that track, Curse of Reincarnation, has so many strange twists and turns on it i should definitely leave that there because i've I've already covered this album once in depth from the podcast before but i'd be really interested to see how listeners get on with this one like whether they hold it in anywhere near as high regard as me but personally i I think uh fanatophobia are really on to something interesting and internal metamorphose felt like a really great evolution of the sound from their debut
So my number one album of the year is one that was released very recently. This is Void with Jadjo. Um, this was actually sent to me by um, listener Matthias, like kind of out of the blue. Like I think this only came out what seventh of December, so really recent release. Um, and you know, thank you, Matthias, very much. You you clearly know my taste incredibly well because this is something that. But yeah, I picked up pretty like you know, a day or two after it came out, and I've just been listening to it nonstop since since it came out. I'm you know I've I've put this on fifteen twenty times in in less than that, like in just a few days. Like I absolutely love this album. So to give you kind of a picture of what the band Void are, they're from the UK. Nightmare name to to Google. <laughs> a lot of bands with with Void in the name now, but the album title is easy to find. Uh, Jad Joe. Uh, J-A-D-J-O-W um, This is their fourth album They've been around a really long time Sort of starting around 1999 Probably most notable For their debut album Post Human Which is a collaboration between The main guy of the band uh, Matt Jarman and Kvost uh, Matthew McNerney Who you may know from his work early on with Code Dos Guard, um, His own project Hex Vessel or like any any of the myriad things he's been like he's quite a quite a legendary musician still sort of singing for grave pleasures as well at the moment um yeah and that that debuts this this interesting like industrial um like electronic slash black metal project has a lot of overlap with the sound of like dosheim's guard at the time and interestingly his new album i'd say still has a lot of overlap with the sounds of dosheim's guard but more the kind of Umbra Omega era of, of Dos Lamb's Guard rather than the more electronical influence one. This is far more kind of natural, like, band playing in a room kind of sound rather than that very sort of program sound. Nothing wrong with either. I just, I really like the sound they're going for this. It's that very complex, progressive music where it's just very interesting, weird structures. Something that, like, owes a debt to maybe, like, like those virus albums or, or or even stuff like code with this very prominent present bass sound like these just interesting interactions of chords and stuff so if i'm not i don't have the musical understanding to know why it sounds as weird as it does but everything sounds a bit weird and off kilter and slightly upsetting but still has like this very discernible melody to it the the vocal approach um really appealed to me uh matt jarman has like this great clean singing voice it's sort of slightly upsetting and off-putting in its own way but he has an amazing melodic sensibility and his lyrics really get stuck in your head and they're all very abstract and kind of vague in a way like they're interesting but i couldn't quite tell you what they're about and again this may be me missing the references rather than um rather than necessarily being vague there could be some very obvious stuff i'm missing there but it it just felt like they're really super engaging they're just I, they felt very abstract to me but he does like occasionally slip into a more black metal delivery but when he does the black metal screams they're like that bizarre noise end of them like weird shrieks and just pained howls that like fit so well with this like very complex avant-garde music and I think avant-garde's definitely the word for it. This is 
this is the kind of thing I think of with, with avant-garde black metal, and it's still, despite being primarily based around clean vocals, I mean, it's still firmly rooted in the avant-garde, in avant-garde, sorry, in, in the world of black metal, like, the, the drums regularly slip into, like, blast beats or, like, these very fast double kick passages, but where it takes more of that avant-garde sensibility is when the drums are doing something like that more well let's say straightforward but that more kind of consistent pattern the guitars will be going off into these weird echoey slightly discordant passages the bass will be doing its own thing and then the vocals will have like another melody that's you know like works with but against all the, everything else that's going on and it's Oh, it has a very chaotic vibe to it. Like, and uh, like that's what I really like about it. It's it creates this very unsettling energy, but is still like so interesting. And but the musicianship is absolutely fantastic, although completely not showy. It's just all for the the purposes of creating this this very strange sound it, it's interesting as well like the the lineup is entirely new to the band um as of 2023 the the three other musicians um all very like seasoned people huge sort of back catalogues of projects have been involved with i must confess i don't know many of them but um it's amazing he's like matt jarman's pulled together such a coherent band out of out of a relatively new lineup, I'd be really interested to hear their other stuff as well. Like I, as I say, I'm familiar with their debut post Human, but they've got um, got two albums in between. I'd love to know what the evolution was to move from that sort of more industrial sound to this this very um, very avant garde, like rocky black metal sound. Like the the mix of this as well is is really really interesting. Like the way the drum sound is is really nice like the guitar tone is like it, the capture it's really great it's it's unsurprising actually to see the guy who mixed it also mixed the last few Alcest albums it's that kind of feel as I say this is an avant-garde a- album so I, I don't know that it'll be for everyone stuff like the weird choice of the intro for the song only for you has him singing like the kind of vocal hook of it and then leaving this inordinate amount of just empty space and singing it again a couple of times this huge gap but it does build into the song nicely it's just there is so many purposely left field choices through throughout this album that i i, I just find really appealing and charming and the, i guess unsurprising to say i i really love like those those bands like like code or virus that i can hear like a connection to in this and another thing worth mentioning is i i really like the cover as well it's um it's a very strange like hand-painted uh bit of art that just has the has a vibe that just perfectly suits the the album you'd need to look it up and hear it as well but it yeah void just pull everything together in a really great way it's um the the release is like an hour long as well it's 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 a long album full of very weird and changing ideas there's there's songs that kind of you know go through like moments where they're like a lot calmer and less extreme i think it's the track when lucifer dies is is like sounds like it would almost fit in with um with mut the 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 kind of rock album code did but then other songs like you know the fables from a post-truth era the first one is quite extreme in places like pretty heavy tracks like there is brilliant variation on this it's an album that like 
because I've only been with it for a you know a fortnight essentially like as much as I listen to it I feel there's still more for me to learn in it and I'm probably not doing the best job of summarizing it but if you like that sort of progressive avant-garde black metal sound this one's so worth checking out it's it's really creative and just it's so many different odd experiments that basically all of them land like all the ideas are trying out in this they they pull off with a great deal of skill and yeah i I just found it a really enjoyable listen right i think my voice is about to give out so i should probably call this episode here i i do apologize for having to record this with a blot nose i am sure i've been making horrible noises throughout this i deeply apologize to any listeners bothered by that uh as always with this like I, I like I've not listened to all the interesting metal that came up this year by you know a long shot not like a micro fraction of that um I think like the count of albums I bought this year was about 75 which you know felt like a lot but it's you know obviously I I only know my little corner so please get in touch let me know what you think's been really great from 2023 and also let me know if if any of these were like a, a fun revelation to you um if you absolutely hate them probably don't let me know i'll be i'll be sad to, to hear that but yeah if you've got any any recommendations really great albums in this year you'd like me to check out please get in touch like i'm i'm on all the various bits of social media just search for Bill, phil's breakfast metal and yeah I, I should respond to you but uh yeah thanks a lot for listening